Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stefan Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And welcome to another edition of Feminist Book Club. But before we start, I just realized, Annie, are you wearing a llama shirt? Is that a llama, llama sweatshirt? <laughs> like a just sweater? I'm looking at you in our screen. I'm realizing you're, there's an animal. Is it a llama? <laughs> it is a llama. <laughs> okay. I want you to know, listeners, I'm staring at her llama sweater very hard right now because I this just realized. llama sweater, I bought it in Peru. It is the warmest sweater I have. And people compliment me on this. It is the goofiest looking fuzzy sweater, listeners. It is very goofy. But people compliment me on this all the time. <laughs> it's a nice sweater. For, like, the way the angle is, I almost thought it was a poncho, which is why mm. I started staring closer. Yeah. And I was like, there is something, there's a square on its back. I'm just trying to figure out what all it is. It's got a, there's a lot of things happening. Here. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Listeners, I, I hope you have a picture of what Annie's wearing, because I am definitely not as cute as she is right now, but I'm like, she's got a llama sweater on. That's fantastic. <laughs> But anyway, mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with this book. Okay. But I just had to I just had to bring this in. All right. But yeah, so we are doing a little something different uh, for our feminist book club because you know we like to switch it up. You know we yes. do. Um, uh-huh. And decided we would do a whole play instead instead of just a book. Uh, but we should tell you it is a very short play. So if you are seeking uh, to do a native uh, or indigenous play. And you just want to, it's kind of like a one act. It's not a complete one act, but it could be. Mm-hmm. Again, it's about like, what, 60 pages long? Yeah, 60 to 70. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and on the back, did you notice that they have a recipe? 
Yes, I want I to make this recipe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like I'm building up this play, but I want to. I want to try this recipe. By the way, yes. Also, before we start, any did you do plays? Have you done plays? I know you've uh, acted and you've been in movies. Have you been in plays? I have. I have. And actually, uh, you know, uh, we had longer. I have a lot of stories. Oh. <laughs> I have. Uh, I have not. I was in drama in high school, which I know we've talked about. And I acted in a few plays then. I was not great. I was very shy and I couldn't project my voice very well. Um, and it was the type of thing where you can tell someone's nervous, so it makes you nervous, you know? Oh, like yeah, you're not yeah. comfortable watching them because you can tell they're so uncomfortable and nervous. And then when I started to pursue acting like more seriously when I got older and out of high school and college, I took classes that would culminate in plays and I've done I did some that were really really dark and then my drama teacher was like I know the challenge for you and he gave me a role and I had to have a Brooklyn accent (laughs) and it was a comedy and I was like you monster (laughs) you know I'm scared of comedy and accents and he was like yep (laughs) here we go I actually excelled at comedy so Ooh. Yeah, we talked about uh, drama. I mm. did drama in high school. That's the only time I kind of, I really missed it. Um, but I'm also very lazy and don't like to memorize the lines. This is where I'm like, I know I couldn't do well because I would flub all of my auditions because mm-hmm. I wouldn't memorize it. I was a great actor, <laughs> bad at memorizing. Mm-hmm. But uh, I am a part of the Thespian Society. Yo, who's with me? Who's the other oh, else? Look at uh, that. Because my first play, I was a stage manager. And that is so much work. She just really thought, my teacher, Miss Miller, shout out uh, RIP. She was an amazing teacher, my favorite teacher. She was like, you're so organized and detailed. Let me put you as the stage manager. Having no experience in theater it was my first play. And I was like, what is happening? And it happened to be a competition play. I think we actually Ooh. scored third on that one, though. But yeah, so it was rough. It was rough. But <laughs> I I was in Noises Off, and that was probably one of my favorite plays to do. And it's really complicated with a lot of, like, meta yeah. types of things. Um, and my character was quite funny, I thought. And then even to the point that people complimented me and said, you know, it was at this moment that I saw you get into your character. You became that character. And I was like... What? (laughs) (laughs) I was a little confused because I was like, if you say so, sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But I loved it. Shout out to all my drama people from my high school, Gilmer High School. You know who you are. They don't listen to this. Why am I saying this? Um, (laughs) Shout out to my niece. She's my youngest niece, who is a part of that same theater program. And she is working on trying to get into the Thespian Society as well. Mm-hmm. Very pr- proud of her. So yes, not to give myself airs. Oh, you should. But I, I, I do have my name on a plaque in, in my high school. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's all about, Samantha. <laughs> no one else knows. There you go. But you know, I love plays. I love uh, the setups. I love reading the books and, and reading the plays because it felt like real life. It made more sense to me sometimes than books do with all the descriptors because it kind of gives you direction and then you you fill it in with yourself. And and I love that build up, which is a great thing to this play. And I won't lie. So, y'all, we are doing a short play called Salt Baby, uh, which was written by Phelan Johnson, who is a part of the Mohawk and Tuscarora uh, from Six Nations Grand River Territory. And it's a beautiful play, but it kind of felt like I'm like if I was to write a play, I feel like mm-hmm. it would be similar to this. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, we're going to talk about the themes about it. Well, but just like her expressions and her her immediate like reactions to things and and the defensiveness of like, yeah, okay, that that's too real. This is too <laughs> real. But I really loved this whole aspect, and it felt really nice to read it in this format because it's been so long. And I do again, I miss that kind of uh, read throughs. Mm-hmm. I miss it. Do you miss it? I do miss it. I do. I think it was something that really... I actually feel this way about podcasting, too, though. Performance in general, anytime I would read a play, I'd have so much stress about it, and I'd be so worried about it. But then when I would do it, I'd be like, I love this, though. Exhilarated, (laughs) yes, yes. Mm -hmm. I don't feel that way about podcasting because I can't hide behind a character. I really wish we could. Mm-hmm. We need to try that sometime. Let's speak completely. <laughs> let's let's play each other. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> that could be hilarious and terrible. <laughs> oh my god. But yeah, so we are doing a play today. Again, it is by Phelan Johnson, um, who is from the Six Nations Grand River Territory, I believe in Canada. But you know, territories are a little different. Mm-hmm. And as uh, we talk about. What she has done in this play, yes, she explores her identity, how as a white presenting First Nations woman, she tries to dig deeper into her family history and her connection to her heritage. And it is is a beautiful tale. It is. Um, It's also funny. Yes. It's very, very funny. I think it's spot on with a lot of uh, when you're that age, which was like young college age, Mm -hmm. uh, kind of the the dialogue that you have, um, I thought nailed it. There were certain, it was great in describing things and painting pictures. And there were certain parts where I was like, I wish I could have seen this play. Right. Because I could tell, like, I bet that's a really cool, simple, but really cool visual cue. Right. So if any listeners have seen it, Right. Uh, please this, it's been staged a few times. Uh, mm-hmm. I did get to see a couple of clips by one school that performed it. And it was super interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah, and like we said, it's really short, so this one's going to be probably a shorter episode, but there is a lot of ground covered Mm -hmm. um, in it for sure. So Johnson studied at George Brown Theater School and has been in the theater world for a while with several plays and productions under her name. When she was interviewed about her play, Salt Baby, she said, Storytelling is storytelling. It's part of us. Six Nations, for instance, has a long history of pageant theater. Right, and this was in reference to like um, them talking about theater versus storytelling and what this mm-hmm. looked like, and then kind of the European standard of theater. And she's like, "Well, we've been around a while longer, and of course they have." <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and when she was asked about why she wrote Salt Baby, she said, "I couldn't afford therapy. It astonishes <laughs> me that I wrote it. I'm grateful to my younger self. It's harsh in some ways. When you are 20, you have stuff to process. I'm think I'm more over my now, but it's strange looking back and seeing yourself." And I totally, totally agree. Yes. It is. Yeah. When you go back and read something, uh, which is kind of what we're doing on Sminty Fiction, but like when you, it, it's such a snapshot of what you were going through at the time and you don't realize it maybe, or you didn't right. know how to deal with it back then. And it's like, ooh, I didn't, I wasn't dealing with this correctly. I didn't, <laughs> I was trying to work my way through this. It is right. really interesting. And this, this play, you can feel it. Like you can feel how honest it is. Um, and like I said, from that time of her life. Right. I'm not going to lie, again, I really wish I could get it back into my Zanga site so I can yeah, see my own things in 20. <laughs> I do too, Samantha, so desperately. Can I rant for a sec? Please. 
pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242-424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. All right, so let's get into the play. Uh, We're introduced to Salt Baby, an alligator, a white boy, um, on their first date. Uh, And it goes as expected. A white boy asking a Native person about her history for a lesson in the Mohawk language and awkwardly joking about being just white. Of course, we're going to dig deeper into that in a bit, but I've definitely been there. Been there. (laughs) Um, Not Native, but being Korean. Mm -hmm. Uh, We cut to seeing her grandfather during the state in the background. So it's kind of like the ancestral voice talking. uh, Mm -hmm. Talking to her and sometimes with her. So they're kind of saying the same thing. He continues to be a background voice. Again, in an ancestral voice that comes back. Yeah, which is one of the things I was talking to you about when I'm saying, like, I bet visually this is really interesting yeah. and, like, vocally. But, yeah, it's it's very clear and very interesting. So we later meet her father, who still lives on the reservation and is an avid hunter, a proud Native man. Their relationship is loving and nurturing, but still a bit tense as her looking deeper into her own DNA and identity makes him uncomfortable. Um Later, we see that her and Alligator have moved forward in their relationship, and a part of their relationship is the conversation of him not understanding her crisis and identity. Um, She soon decides to seek out more information on her ancestry and her own genetic makeup. She's always said that she was three-fourths or over half-native, but her physical appearance, which is white-presenting, makes her wonder about that. 
Um, and we see Salt Baby continuing her journey through meditation, a psychic, and finally an actual DNA test. I don't think we actually would ever get results, though. Um, throughout mm-hmm. this time, she is struggling in her relationship with Alligator and how she wants to make sure that she can hold on to her native identity and, again, pass it on to her children. Also, he's very white, so making problematic comments and a little bit of microaggression towards her as well. Um, and here we see some awkward interactions with the partner's parents. It's really yeah, uh, we have drunkenness and fighting and, uh, and, again, uncomfortable microaggressions from the white parents, which is, like, who wants to be around a couple fighting? Um, mm-hmm. And then the macho-ness from the salt baby's father. Literally, he comes out with bloody hands from yeah. uh, cutting up a deer. So, yeah. You know, interesting interesting reactions. <laughs> Unfortunately, they soon break up, uh, and she tries to dig more into her native traditions. They talk about different things. And on dates with uh, Native men, one specific date doesn't go so well. Uh-oh, she runs into the white boyfriend, has a conversation with her and the grandfather, the ancestral grandfather, talking about, oh, he wasn't that bad, was he? The end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that's... She has, that's when she talks with her father about, which by the way, the white boyfriend, Alligator, uh, stole her father's toothbrush. Yes. So she could get DNA from it from the test. And and the, in the end, uh, she decides not to go through with the DNA test because uh, her father, she just realizes like, oh no, you've told me this, you've told me this story. And he tells her the story of why she's called Salt Baby. Mm-hmm. And so... <laughs> it does have a lot of awkward uh, social interactions in it, right? For sure, <laughs> right? I think um, again, there's several things to this. Again, he does finally, the father does finally relent and say, "This is something you need. I'm here for you." Whatever, whatnot. We know that the mother is not present. She left, and she says that she went on to be more white. Um, so it was a very interesting conversation. Yeah, and again, this is part of her. Ad- like identity crisis and trying to figure this out, but still very uh, serious about clinging to her uh, ancestry and her um, and her native background, uh, which was really interesting. Again, if you have time, it's literally like a probably what a thirty minute read, if that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's quick. It is kind of hard to get a hold of. We had a bit of a trouble finding it, <laughs> tracking yeah. it down. But we did it. Um, we did it. It was important that we read this because we was like, this is something that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so there there are some themes, uh, and of course we want to get into that and have a little bit of a discussion because as much of a play it is, it is a, a conversation about her going through a lot of changes to where she is today. Where she's talked about how she is happy, who she is, and learned so much, but it took a while. <laughs> to mm-hmm. get there. Um, and of course, one of the big themes, identity. Uh, she's trying to seek uh, who she is and is she truly a native and how much of a native because that was a conversation that's been had and, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But, but you know, just on a personal note, of course, you know, I know this feeling of trying to figure myself out, uh, being told I act more white has recently been a problem to me as when I was younger that's what I wanted to identify as because that seemed like the better choice you know in the world um and then realizing oh no I'm losing everything about myself I've lost so much there's part of my identity that's been cut from me coming to this trying to figure out what this looks like and for her her conversation was being white presenting um even to the point that the boyfriend actually says don't you wouldn't you rather have that isn't that better Mm -hmm. to seem like you're white and you can choose to be that and i was like oh it felt gross it was gross i mean 
a lot of their conversations were pretty, pretty gross. And it, like, she describes that sense of unblogging and having this like panic around it of like, what if I discover, if I take this DNA test and I discover something? Um, and you, you know, she goes to the psychic and she goes to, she does all these things that we talked about because she's like trying to find her identity and trying to find meaning. And she's very like got a lot of tension around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it opens with her talking about her kind of like indigenous card that's going to mm-hmm. inspire in Canada, um, which comes up a lot. So there was a lot of discussion around like particularly Canadian policies and attitudes mm-hmm. around uh, indigenous people. Right. Um, and actually one of the things that we do want to mention because it was brought up when we were searching things was the uh, controversial idea of blood quantum and we're mm-hmm. not going to go too deep into it because again it is controversial but if just in case you didn't know it's a uh, according to the NPR a highly controversial measurement of the amount of native blood you have uh, it can affect your identity your relationships or whether or not you or your children may become a citizen of your tribe um, so it's a big conversation as in fact I know Recently on TikTok, a big creator who has come out as being problematic, who is Native, um, had brought up the fact that if, literally just saying, if you look white, then you're white. And it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way because it was that blood quantum conversation for Native individuals specifically who understand that there's problematic conversations when you have white people saying, I'm 120th so-and-so, and you're like, mm-hmm. what the what the hell? Like, you really <laughs> want to punch somebody. But the truth is, there are people who are white presenting who already struggled not being identified as one way um, and being dismissed another way. So it's kind of this whole big conversation. And, and this is one of our things, is not looking Native enough uh, to mm-hmm. come through. And then having people come to them and be like, oh, yeah, I am also one-eighth something, yeah. something, something, and then feeling like, Okay, this is a problem in itself. And of course, it seems to me this may be white supremacy in itself to measure you and push you against your own community. So that's mm-hmm. that's a deeper conversation we're not going to have. But it is interesting to see. And, and I know when it comes to uh, people that are multi-race uh, have the need to prove themselves one way or another. And it's really disheartening. For mm-hmm. that individual, I could only imagine because it feels bad enough as actual, according to my 23andMe DNA that says I am 99% Korean and nothing else. Don't ask, don't look, don't, don't, don't go anywhere else. Um, to try to figure out trying to be that in a community that oftentimes won't accept me as that. So there's just this level of balance in having this type of controversial term floating mm-hmm. about. I couldn't yeah. imagine what that looks like. Yeah, yeah. And we see that throughout the play of her, of Salt Baby. Um, like the the date at the end with the guy she found through like indigenous dating site and him making her feel like she's not uh, native enough. And then seeing, you know, her mom going this way and kind of being like, no, I'd rather, I'd rather be white passing, more white. Um, and hearing it from her boyfriend and then feeling this pressure uh, internally, but, you know, also from her family of like, you know, you need to have a native baby and it's like your responsibility because that's just <laughs> the, how this system works. Um, 
And just, so just all these like forces kind of like she's at sea and just on a, a really rocky sea, just buffeting her about of like when she's trying to figure out who she is and she's got all of these things right. just constantly confronting her. Right. And of course, there's also the small fear that she's not what she claims. Mm-hmm. And she kind of talks about that in this conversation of like, you will always be this, you'll, no matter what you are. And the grandfather saying, you're a fighter. This is this is who you are. So don't let that pass. This is a part of my blood in you, essentially, mm-hmm. was that conversation. And it was interesting. Uh, speaking of the grandfather, of course, we have a theme around family, whether it's the really obnoxious white family <laughs> who yeah. he called normal and then they're like more disruptive. <laughs> Like, immediately, imagine a dinner party where it goes from zero to 170 in, like, one minute. <laughs> Literally, all they're doing is bickering, and it's so uncomfortable. I've Crying. definitely been around people where you're like, well, that was awkward. And everybody yeah. just abruptly leaves, and you sit in silence. Yeah, and then they just ran off with the wine. We're like, we're leaving. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to say goodbye. This is the first time they met her. <laughs> right. And she's like, well, well bye. Well, bye. Yeah. Well, bye. <laughs> okay. um, but then you have her father, who she's obviously very close to. And then her, I believe, cousin Clara, who is like telling her, don't get the DNA. They're going to have your information. Don't do this to yourself. Which, you know, it's not. she's not wrong. Mm-hmm. And then also like whether or not they use it against indigenous people, which also... She's probably not wrong, um, mm-hmm. but also has the famous recipe that we're talking about, the grandmother's recipe that she cooks for her. Mm-hmm. It's quite delightful, and I really do want to make these cookies. Um, but it's a sweet interaction, but obviously all those things are important. And Clara is the one that uh, is the one that knows the oral history of the family. Her father's mm-hmm. like, go talk to Clara. She knows, so she goes to visit to get more information, um, which we don't get too much more information, maybe purposeful. Mm-hmm. But uh, they talk about the importance of oral history and why they do this. And then they do have this big conversation of the lack of history for indigenous people and First Nations because the government were cruel and wanted to decimate a whole community of people and whole culture because colonization. Mm-hmm. And it was an interesting take and like look at what they were talking about, how they do look at like ancestral uh, histories and what they have to do to make sure that it remains alive. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's especially interesting given we're reading this play, <laughs> yes. right? Um, but also, as we said, as you said, there's this ancestral voice of her grandfather throughout. And there's even parts of like a ghostly voice of her father or the grandfather speaking through her father. And I thought that was a really interesting take on sort of that oral history. And there's one part that's really funny where the grandfather's observing her on this date with Alligator. And he's kind of like making comments and she's almost having a conversation with him but makes it look normal, I guess. Um, it's really, really interesting. Like, like the boyfriend's not like, who are you talking to? This is what I'm trying to say. But um, kind of that dialogue of the past of someone who's not with you anymore, but you still carry. And then that was one of my favorite things at the end is when she looks at her hands and she says, I used to think my hands were so ugly. Um, like man, manly hands, but they're my grandfather's hands. Um, and so it's like a piece of him is with me. So yeah, I think that's, it was a really eloquent and beautiful way to kind of demonstrate that oral history, but also just that ancestral history. Right. Um, and yeah, it's a good connection. Again, I think it's interesting to see how they talk about the different nations coming through and um, and what that seems like. And they were talking about the switching, and that wasn't interesting. I don't know much about that. Uh, again, I know you listeners are like, what? And essentially... Um, 
people trying to continue the community, specifically whether it's Mohawk or whether it was Tuscarora, like making sure that children were born within those uh, communities to continue on their uh, heritage. And I thought that was interesting um, in this conversation itself, which I don't know much about that history, which we should probably... (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we'll come back to, um, but yeah, there's a, that, like the lineage and and continuing a community and continuing a group of people, which is uh, something that's important, especially when you have colonizers try to wipe you out. Mm-hmm. You know, that's whole thing. This episode is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242-424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Um, here's something that I found interesting and I was felt very relatable in this theme, <laughs> the interracial dating or the, uh, yeah, like it's, it's a whole other conversation. And I say this as, again, I'm adopted. So, of course, it's not foreign to me. It's not like I'm actually coming from an Asian family with Asian disapproval for being with a white man um, in general. But when trying to get Uh, trying to express what is happening in my life and why it is important or what it looks like when people are being racist or prejudiced towards me and the fact that I get looks that he doesn't understand. Um, Same thing that happened with my parents who would say they're just looking at you because they're jealous or whatever or they think you're pretty. I was like, no, that's... (laughs) that's not what's happening and you are dismissing how I'm feeling, which he does often in this Mm -hmm. relationship. And it gets into the way, especially when she's trying to 
hone in on her identity, but then him feeling like that she is accusing him for the mistakes. Again, this, we're not going to go too deep into it because I think uh, Johnson had a lot more grace <laughs> to the <laughs> idea that she may have so many emotional ties and uh, emotional reactions because she was in the middle of trying to find her identity and finding him um, so insensitive to what she was going through, uh, that she comes back and is laughing. She's like, I'm not, I could have handled this differently. So kind of that. But at the same time, I'm like, nah, <laughs> it's a problem. He's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the clearest examples is when she comes back. He's like playing video games and she's struggling with this like identity crisis. And the first thing he thinks is, this means we can go get drinks, right? Because yeah. <laughs> she had to wait yeah. four days to get drinks yep. uh, based on this ritual she went through. Um, that was his first, like, <laughs> we can go get drinks now, right? Right. Um, just thinking about himself and clearly not listening to her, trying to understand at all what she was going through. You're right. I mean, they, were, they did have a conversation about having children, as we'd mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. And she was like, I don't want to have children with you. <laughs> I would have children with a Native person. And he was very offended. And and I get that. Like, to the point of like, wait, what? Then what are we doing here? Are we <laughs> long-term or are we not? And the fact that, well, like, is this going to make it to the future? What is happening? What was the point of this relationship? Um, and a lot of the conflicts are the fact that he isn't Native. Um, so he can't understand. And that seems understandable to me like if, if, if a thing doesn't work because that's not where you are again like I said she has a push and pull of being a little self-effacing and so she's like you know I did these things and it's not she's not wrong on that but again like the bigger picture when we come back to why, what is important to you and if it isn't and it doesn't align then yeah it won't work <laughs> yeah yeah I did like how <laughs> And I can see there are definitely problematic aspects to this, too. But I liked how her father and her grandfather were kind of like, yeah, you skinny, but are you happy? <laughs> like, yeah. they were always kind of like, you happy? All right, that's good enough. <laughs> right. And again, so he's a vegetarian, too. So he's a white right. vegetarian dude coming to mm-hmm. the home of a man who hunts and eats his own hunt. Like, he cares yeah. for himself and lives off the land, kind of. But, like... And loves UFC fighting. So, you know, all the things that yes. he would hate. So, it was quite funny um, to see that interaction as well. Uh, but I think it's interesting that, yeah, they were very accepting. Even, again, at the end, when the great was like, yeah, he wasn't that bad. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it was kind of a, it was, again, this is a funny play. So, it was kind of just like, yeah, were you happy? Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. If he makes you happy, okay. You do you. It's not going to last. <laughs> they did say that a couple times. It's not going to last, but okay. Yeah. You do you. <laughs> Um, yes, and and it's not a theme, but I think it's important that we talk about it because Johnson felt that it was important. Uh, the humor in this uh, play, as in the fact she talked about it uh, in another interview, and in the interview they said, Johnson is a great believer in humor as a conduit to a play's inner language and content. Uh, she's quoted in saying, it's a tool. It allows us access. People may approach our indigenous content as scary, but they feel safe when they can laugh. It's a way in and a way for people to relate. Um, again, she is much kinder than she has to be then for those of us that are not indigenous and in trying to make people feel comfortable to understand mm-hmm. the where she's coming from or what she saw or just it's just understanding a little more of the indigenous culture. Uh, but yeah, that she felt that it was important that for her to use this play in this way. And I think that's something that's important that we need to talk about for her uh, doing this 
for us. I feel like she does it for our, our the audience. Also, I have a feeling she is as I was saying, self-effacing jokes about herself enough to like not take herself too seriously, but in understanding this is something that happened and this is something that needs to be talked about. So trying to find that balance for her own personality as well. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the humor really does shine through in this and her personality and her humor really shines through in this because it, it is, it's a lot of it is very serious subject material, but I was laughing quite a few times. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just whether it's just dating in general and having yeah. like a moment of like, what I just say type of thing, uh, like yeah. you know, like uh, being aware, very aware of like, oh, that did not make sense. I'm gonna move on with it, or this doesn't make sense. I'm gonna move on with mm-hmm. it, which I do often. I'm like, oh, okay, keep going. <laughs> um, and also, again, white people asking the typical like, say this for me. What does this say? What do you sound like? You know, all of those mm-hmm. things, um, which happens often, Um, which, again, yeah, we laugh. We laugh about it to a point that to make people more comfortable, which is not necessarily something that she should have to do or we should have to do in general, but we do. Mm -hmm. That's what happens. That's what we've learned uh, to make outsiders feel comfortable and or us as the outsiders feel more accepted, which is in itself a conversation. But I think it's interesting because you and I had this conversation that the atrocities that the Native community has gone through, it does feel like a lot of deep, serious content um, and wading through and trying to make sure we do it appropriately and giving it all the respect that they deserve, it deserves, because it is a serious conversation. We know what's happening with the Indian Child Welfare Act right now, and it is, I hate it. And these are things that are an attack on the Native people, the Native community, and the Indigenous people that continues to suppress and oppress them as a culture and as a society as a whole. And I think that's part of the thing that she was talking about, is like, we, we, we don't, have to always be this serious. And that was that other part is it's tragedy porn in that people watch for the (gasps) instead of appreciating that it's not always this way and that Mm -hmm. they are human and that they have experienced several emotions and it doesn't have to be. I think reservation dogs have a great uh, concept of this as well. I know there's conversation of it being problematic in itself, but the content that they give is through a humorous lens. Uh, try because it's not. It's people are happy. Indigenous people, for most part, are happy in their community, um, and if they're in a good community and feel safe with their family, it's not that. It's not this whole welfare level of like, ah, everybody's so miserable and dismayed. Um, and to pretend that's the entirety of its uh, culture is offensive too. <laughs> yeah, which we've talked about that a lot, kind of erasing the joy and fullness that uh, marginalized people's uh, lives have. Um, so I, I'm very glad that we read this. I'm glad that we were able to find it. Yes. Um, and I very, very much enjoyed it and recommend it. Yes. Yeah, so if you have time, it is, if you can find it at your local bookstore, do that. Mm-hmm. Yes. But if you can't, Amazon does have it uh, for a marginal amount. The money does go still to her part of the money anyway. And we should. We should celebrate it. Uh, plays like this and hope for more because there's not enough Native Indigenous content when it comes to plays and being on stage and I would love to see more. Yes. 
Yes, 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 yes. And as always, listeners, if you have any suggestions for what we should cover next, be it play or book or comic. Mm, Ooh. Yes. Uh, please let us know. You can email us at stephaniamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at Momstuff Podcast or on Instagram at Stuff I've Never Told You. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you, Christina. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I've Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This episode is brought to you by Pedigree. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it is closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Compatibility.